So my talk for tonight, uh, the title is, What Does Jesus Say Following Him Looks Like? Um, and hopefully this is the less depressing talk than last night. Um, so, here we go. We'll take a chance. Y'all have been a really hard time to be a Christian. Um, and it's because you live in... Uh, I'm the whole... Um, it's because you live in what's called a Judeo-Christian culture. Now... Parents immediately pull back and they reassure you. Um, a Judeo-Christian culture is not bad, but it can be really confusing. Um, if I ask you what it means to be a Christian, you probably think, uh, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, no sex before marriage, uh, don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, eat your vegetables, read your Bible. Um, now, a lot of those things are in Scripture, and they're things Jesus tells us um, not to do. In, in fact, in John 13, 35, it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So please don't think I'm diminishing the things that God tells us to do. Um, but I do want to be clear, those are not the things that Jesus says defines a disciple of his. Um, in fact, what he says um, is a lot better than that, and it's a lot better news than that. Um, so marriage story. Um, my wife and I are polar opposites. This is the most energetic you will ever see me up here. Um, if it looks like I'm angry walking around, I'm not actually angry. I just look angry all of the time. My wife, I can tell what mood she's in by the way she walks. Like if she's happy, she's like floating as she's walking. But if she's upset, she kind of like stomps her feet like this when she's going around, right? Um, but she does this thing all the time where she'll be like, Chase, do you love me? And for the longest, wait, the longest time, I've been married for like a year and some change. But for the first little bit, I would get really irritated. I'd be like, of course I love you, I married you. If I wanted roommates, I would play video games with my other roommates. You don't play video games with me. If that's what I wanted, we wouldn't get married. Of course I love you. Um, but this time, I was like, I'm gonna be sweet. I'm gonna be suave with this. And here's what I said. I said, Caroline, of course I love you, but more importantly than loving you, I like you. Now the parents in here rolling their eyes because in the next moment I was like, that was the least romantic thing I could have said. Mission not accomplished because she said, what? And I said, Caroline, it's, it's more important that I like you than I love you because it's easier to love you if I like you. Right? Foolishness. Foolishness. But here's my point. Here's my point. Think about the, the friends that you have and think about how you treat them. If you like someone, it's a little easier to love them, isn't it? Than with someone you just don't like or think is weird or don't want to be around. Um, and so I said this, and then we didn't talk for a couple of minutes. Um, and I started thinking, I was like, man, I, that, like, often when we say things without thinking, it's a direct reflection of what's in our heart. And I thought, man, I need to seriously reevaluate how I view love and marriage because chances are I'm not always going to like you under every circumstance. Um, and so I'm about to overload you with scripture. Um, so here we go. I wrote that down completely wrong. Okay. So I thought, what does the Bible say about love? Um, because the passage for tonight, you, you know, here we go. I'll throw it up on the board. I missed this because my handwriting is too distracted. Um, John 13, 35 says this. It says, by this all people you will know if you are, you will know. You will know. People will know that you are my <laughs> disciple. If you have love for one another. That's the standard Jesus sets for his disciples. It is by this that they'll know. 
if you have love for one another. So I wonder, what does the Bible say about love? Um, y'all are going to read this in your devotion tomorrow morning, but Matthew 22, 36 through 40 is the two greatest commandments in Scripture. Jesus' disciples say, Lord, what's, what are the most important commandments? And he says, firstly, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, love your neighbor is yourself. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, abide these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now keep in mind, what we believe is that we're saved by grace through faith. And he's saying even more important than that faith through which you receive grace is love. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through like 5, I have to summarize. Um, he basically says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, like if I speak all the languages, if I can talk the way the angels talk to one another but have not love, I'm just a clanging symbol. Um, he says, if I have all the prophecy and wisdom and faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. In Matthew 5.44, it says, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those um, who persecute you. John 15.13 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Um, this, this. This, this type of love is not the type of love. I mean, so there's a word called semantics. It's where you use two, two, two of the same words but mean completely different things. When the world around us says love, this is not the type of love they're talking about. Um, because their version of love is almost the opposite of this. It says, I'm going to love you if I like you. If we have this beneficial relationship... Um, so then I'll love you, but, but if I'm different than you, or I don't like you, or I don't like what you believe, or I don't like what, what your political stance is, or I don't like what your religious stance is, I have no love for you. Um, the love I see here in Scripture, I'm going to call otherworldly. Um, because it's not something we see um, around us. So I have a story um, of a time I received this type of love, what felt like for the first time. I was a freshman in high school. Remember, same freshman in high school we talked about yesterday, little teapot, short and stout, super weird, right? Super weird. I wouldn't have been my friend when I was a freshman in high school. Like, I didn't understand, like lots of us in here probably pick our nose in private, I didn't understand the social boundary of not doing that in front of other people at breakfast club while people were eating, right? I, I was a strange kid. But there was a guy who worked with Watershed where I work now, in fact, he had the same job I have right now. Um, and he is the reason I have this job right now. Um, at breakfast club, I'm sitting there eating, and he's sitting across from me. Now, this guy was like the epitome of cool in my mind. He made money playing Guitar Hero at tournaments. He read comic books. But he wasn't like a nerd, and he wasn't awkward, and he had a girlfriend. And I was like, teach me the ways of how to get a girlfriend being good at Guitar Hero. Um, he sat down across from me and he said, Chase, what's your favorite class from school? And I said, thank you for asking. My favorite class is literature. And he said, or he said, what's your favorite period of the day? And he said, huh. You know, honestly, I thought what you would, your answer would have been lunch. Now, hindsight 2020, that may have not been the kindest thing for him to say. I didn't realize that maybe that was like a slight jab as I'm sitting there and he's like, oh, I thought you would have liked lunch. <laughs> um, when he asked me why literature... And I said, because I love to read. I've always loved to read. It's been like a hobby of mine. If you can pick up a habit that you can learn to like, let it be reading. Um, 
And I explained to him, he said, you know, why not lunch? And I said, well, here's my lunch routine every day. The bell rings, and I run to the cafeteria, and I get my food, and I go sit in the bathroom stall, and I eat it alone. Aww. And that's because there's teachers in the classroom. No one can pick on you in the class. Well, if they're clever, they can. But bullies typically aren't terribly clever. Um, I would run to the, to the lunchroom because when I was there, if I was there for any period of time, it was like open season. They're like, there's Piper waiting in line. People would literally seek me out and pick on me. Um, if I, was, I would have to sit alone if I sat in there, which is just like a nightmare because even when people aren't saying stuff to you, you know they are. Um, so I would go to the bathroom and I would eat alone. And then I would go to the library where all the nerds kind of gather, and we would like see protection in numbers in there, right? <laughs> and he said, buddy, I'm sorry, that's hard to hear. And I was like, yeah, it's okay, uh, high school, you know, I'll be their boss one day, maybe, so whatever. Um, I go to school the next day, and I have math before lunch. Now, math is not my strong suit. I look at the math, so y'all do, and I'm like, why do we have letters and numbers in the same, in the same equation? Um, I don't know why we mix those. But I, I like super bombed a math test, like so bad. Stay with me. My teacher told me I need you to stay after class and go to lunch late. And I was horrified. Not even that I failed the test and I was going to lose my computer for the weekend because I failed the test. I was more terrified about going to the lunchroom alone and facing that than facing my parents after failing this test. And she explains to me what's wrong and she's offering me an opportunity to retake it. And I was like, sweet, I didn't fail twice. Awesome. Um, and so I make my way to the lunchroom and I'm just dragging my feet. I'm wondering, man, it's like, is it even worth eating today? Should I just go straight to the library? And I'm like, grown boy, gotta eat. So I, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna face it. I'm gonna go, oh man, I'm gonna get a little cake. Man, I walk to the lunchroom and there he is. The next day, this guy's standing like a light in my dark world. In the middle of the lunchroom, and here's the thing. This guy's surrounded by the popular kids. The kids that pick on me, and he's loving them too. And when he sees me, he says, yo, Chase. And he comes and sits with me, and he doesn't invite me to go sit with them. He sits with me, just me. And he asks me about the video games I'm playing, and I'm telling him, and I'm just like blown away. And I left that lunchroom feeling, oh, man, more loved than I think I've ever That's the type of love I'm talking about. The type of love that drags a guy in his early 20s to a high school where he doesn't want to be to make my chubby self feel loved. We're fine. I'm fine. Now here's the sad thing. That guy's not a Christian anymore. Or that's what he says. I don't think that's true. I think he knows Jesus. I think he's just running. I don't know what hurt him that made him run from this love that he showed me. But guys, I know this. You don't show that type of love if you have perceived it. So I'm confident that one day, you know, I, know I called him when I got this job. And I said, listen, I, I know we don't believe the same thing anymore, or at least you don't think we believe the same thing anymore. But I need you to know I'm here because of that one day in the lunchroom that you showed up. Mm. Because I want to show up for other kids. 
And he said, Chase, you're right. I don't believe that stuff anymore. But you love those kids. If nothing else, show them love. And so I think he still gets it. And one day, he'll be back. Man, when I talk about the love of Christ being the defining characteristic, this is the type of love he shows us. This is the type of love that bridges heaven and earth and makes God become a man. It's the type of love that even as an enemy of God, he seeks you out. In your filth and sin, he finds you, holds you like his child, loves you, and calls you his own. This is the selfless love we're called to. Uh, and the reason, like I said, the reason this, uh, it's not up there anymore. Um, the reason this is the defining characteristic of the disciple of Jesus is because it's otherworldly, because there's no way to conjure that kind of love of yourself. You have to have been given it to show it. Um, this verse is, in my mind, one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. In Psalm 36, 7, it says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Man, I felt in that lunchroom like the love of God was just looming over me. And that there was peace there. My question to you tonight is this. Last night I asked you if you really knew him. Um, and I hope you had time to think about that and the excitement of the theme park today. Um... But is this making sense? Is that, man, because you, you know, Jesse was telling me that his young life guy in college did this. He came up and he said, here are the things, some of the things the Bible says we shouldn't do. Don't drink, don't smoke, no sex before marriage, don't cuss, whatever, all of this stuff. And he says, how many of y'all think you're pretty good? And the people raise their hands like, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I'm a pretty good Christian. And he said, congratulations, you're perfectly qualified to be a Pharisee. Um, the reason that this is the defining characteristic is because there's no way you can love people like this unless the love of God is living in you and changing you. So my question is this, guys. Like, are you tired? Do you feel worth? Like, do you feel like you're valuable? Do you feel like you're lovable? Do you feel like you're loved by your friends, family? You don't have coworkers. But there will be times in your life where you feel all of those things. There will be times where you feel like no one loves you, no one wants you, there's no worth about you. But I, man, I hope you remember that when you feel like no one else loves you, that he does. And that he loves you like the type of love we talked before, the type that loves their enemies. Man, we miss this in Christianity. We, we talk about love and how God's crazy about you and all this stuff. Don't forget, you are his enemy. When we talk about, like, oh, I'm going to burn forever, please, like, that's what you deserve. But even in that, he died for you. Scripture says, while we were still in sin, while we were still in our filth, he died for us. Like I said, that love's otherworldly. Man, if you don't know him, there's three types of people in this room. I talked about this last night. There's those of you that don't know him and know you don't know him. There's those of you that know him and know that you know him and have a relationship with Jesus. And there's those of you that think you know him and you don't. Man, if you don't know him, if you feel these ways, I hope something is stirring in you right now. I hope this love is attractive 
and that you feel it and it becomes real. For those of you that, that think you know him and you don't, I hope you hear this love and it sounds totally foreign because you've never experienced it. If you find yourself picking on other kids, ask yourself, have I experienced this love? I mean, shoot, man, you're not going to be perfect. But you begin to change and to value this. And if you know him, I hope this is a good reminder that this is encouraging of how much he loves you. Um, like I said, I'm pretty much done. I wrote this in 20 minutes, and I had a lot more than this before, but I think this is more important. Um, if you feel something stirring in yourself right now, if you hear this type of love and you think, man, I wish someone would love me like that guy loved Chase in the Luxury. If you think, man, this love that like no matter what I do, it's there. If that's attractive and you find something in your chest getting nervous and maybe excited, please talk to your leaders. I'm not an altar call guy. I'm not going to sit here and make you raise your hands and give you a catechism and the whole nine yards. Um, but this may be Jesus stirring in you. That may be him saying, you like that love? Does that sound good? It's right here on a cross. Again, I'm just going to close with this. Please, please, please talk to your leaders if something is stirring. Don't leave here if something is stirring in you without talking to your leaders because I have a secret. Are you ready? Roller coasters didn't bring your leaders here this weekend. Roller coasters didn't make these adults jump on a bus for eight hours and get three hours of sleep a night. Loved it.